Our precious Father in heaven, we thank you for the reality that the topic we're dealing with today, Lord, is not the topic that brings me the greatest joy. I love uplifting Jesus. And I pray that today, Lord, as I communicate information, that I will not forget that the greatest deliverance is not just intellectual understanding, but the person of Christ to Jesus. And so send your Holy Spirit here this morning as we walk through this valley of, of mazes that have been established in our world to darken the minds of our young people, to sometimes cause some of our people and our leaders to go astray. And we know we're living in an hour where Satan is not only coming with a, an intensity and a wrath as never before, but we know that he is more subtle than at any other time in history. So speak to our hearts this morning, and may Jesus be praised. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Now some of you, I know that, uh, I thank the Lord for the audio and visual team, but they'll do their best to switch back and forth between the slides and my face on the screen, because some of you yesterday mentioned that while there were slides on the screen, you couldn't see my face and vice versa. So bear with us, because what you see on the screen is not necessarily what's being on the final recording. They do a wonderful job in switching back and forth. But today, I'd like to invite them to bring the screen up, because we are on our second topic today. I mentioned we are at Station 2. What station are we at? We are at Station 2, which is entitled The Revealing. Now, just to lay some foundation, what the Unclean Spirits series is, is the Lord revealed to me about 10 years ago what was happening not only in our world, but also affecting our church. The subtle changes in our worship style, in the demands for a different kind of music, in the watering down of our messages and the uh, over emphasis of more music, heavier music, music that does not identify with our kind of worship. And I ask myself, where is it coming from? And having been delivered out of the music industry, I used to play, you know, uh, R&B music, and I played guitar and, in a band uh, when I was a young man, worldly music. I was a disc jockey. Uh, that means I played in clubs, turntables in the World Trade Center on Broadway in New York. I was a nightlifer person, a gambler, a pool hustler, an, an intense partier. But I still went to church. I went to church out of obligation knowing that I was raised to go to church. I was in the building, but I was not in Christ. And so I know very well that not everyone in the building is in Christ. And we bring into the church because the church is a hospital for sinners. Can I get an amen? Every one of us is at a different place in our walk with Christ. Every one of us. For that reason, in the transition between where God found us and where we're headed, we bring our paraphernalia with us. We bring the world with us. And until we are changed from what we were to what God wants us to be, which, by the way, is done at a different pace, for each individual. Everyone has a different walk with Christ. But in the process, we often come into the church, and because of where we came from, we often like to bring the things that we were comfortable with into the church with us to maintain our level of comfort. But what has happened is, in many cases, 
I've heard this over and over. My wife and I have traveled together in more than 60 countries. And what we've heard from Kenya to the Philippines, from the West Indies to places in Asia and Europe, what we've heard in many of these places is people are saying, what is happening to our church? What's happening to our worship? Why are we becoming a people less emphasizing our message and more emphasizing music? And our sermons are dying off and we're losing our distinctness. And as I began to research, I discovered much of it has to do not with coincidence, but with a cleverly devised plan that the church has been adopting from the world. And instead of bringing the world up to the church, the church is going down to the world. And notice the scripture in the Bible that Satan reveals exactly what his plan is. Look at Revelation chapter 16 and verse 13. Here it is on the screen. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs, read that with me, coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world, that's including us, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. And in the, bookness, dark, in the book, Darkness Before Dawn, this very timely quotation that God gave to Ellen White fits into the context of our presentation. Look at it. Satan has long been preparing for his final effort to deceive the world. He's been working on this ever since his fall. Little by little, and that to me says subtly, little by little he has prepared the way for his masterpiece of deception in the development of spiritualism. He has not yet reached the full accomplishment of his design, but it will be reached in the last remnant of time. Do you believe we're living in the last remnant of time? Of course, we're living in the last days. I mean, that's undeniable. If you look at the political landscape around us, it's hard to keep politics and religion apart today. I mean, our world has regurgitated some of the vomit of politics. Our church is affected by it. But we are a people that need to be distinct from the world. But Satan is including not just the whole world, but he, as Revelation 12 and verse 17 says, he's angry with the woman who keeps the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. So he's already got the world. The only defense against the world completely being annihilated by sin is the Lord has established his church and he said on this rock I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and so hell cannot stop the progress of the church hell the gates of hell are backing up as the church is going forward but as the church is going forward Satan is devising plans whereby he can come in in subtle ways. For example, if someone said to me, not to move, and let me use an example. If someone said to me, and I'm gonna, if you can follow me carefully, this cell phone, I'm going to put it right here. If someone said to me, don't move that, and I had 6,000 years to move it, I could move it a millimeter. And over 6,000 years, I will move it down to the other end of the stage, and you'll never know I touched it. Not only that, 
during the Dark Ages, many things that laid the foundation for spiritualism, and let me talk about spiritualism very quickly, many of the things laid by the foundation of spiritualism was, was inserted into Christianity, and today much of what Christians believe has no Bible support at all. So we have to be very careful when we begin to adopt practices from denominations that don't have the light that God has given to us. And that's often what's happening because today, through the iPad, the iPhone, the Android, whatever device you have, most of us in our, in our young folk, in our churches, many of us as Adventists listen to some of the same Christian music as people of other denominations. So right away, that's already broken down the wall. They say, well, I listen to that artist, and so do you. I like his music, and so do you. And so we find a commonality right there, and we say, well, since I like that artist and you do too, we have something in common. And remember, Revelation 17 says that they will have one mind. And when you get this one mind, it begins to erode the things that you don't have in common. But because you do have something in common, you begin to ignore the things that you don't have in common, and then you have phrases like, well, we all love the Lord. Well, that's true. But to whom much is given, much is required. And Satan, knowing that, devised a plan, as we have great evangelists in our world, Satan searched and looked, and there was a man he chose that has become the prophet of the occult world, that all of those in the entertainment industry know very well, those who are power players, money moguls, uh, music industry moguls, movie moguls, uh, rap artists, rock artists, R&B, you name it, they know who he is because they use his Bible to devise all the things that they do in their music, in their dress, in their styles, in their, in their movie productions. They use this particular Bible. Let me introduce to you today, those of you who were not here yesterday, the modern prophet of the occult movement. His name is Alistair Crowley. He was raised in a Christian home. But there was a deep-seated desire in him to be more than what his father and mother desired for him. And somewhere in his own life, this seed of rebellion was planted and it was nurtured tremendously. When his father passed away, it became a trauma in his life, and he walked away from anything that had any semblance of Christianity. He got involved in black magic, white magic, magic uh, sex magic, peyote, drugs, heroin. He was a bisexual. He practiced that. And all the things he did, he did that because he joined a campaign to destroy everything that had to do with morality. He was so wicked that France barred him from coming into France. They labeled him the most wicked man that ever lived, and that's in modern times. He lived between 1847 and, I think, 18, between the 18 and 1900s. I had the date I shared yesterday. It's on the video that they recorded. But he, in the time, in the course of time, he wrote a book that he says was inspired. It's called Libra Alvelirgis in Latin, or the Book of the Law. And he claimed that the contents of this book was inspired by an evil spirit when he and his wife were on their honeymoon in 1904 in Cairo, Egypt. And over the course of three days, he wrote down everything in this book that he said an evil spirit told him that he whispered over his left shoulder. And this book is a transcription 
of all the things he said this evil spirit has told him. Now, I'm going to shock you in a couple of days. You'll see how far this book has gotten. But I remember in my research, I had access to a copy of it. And in the very beginning, it says, do not read what's inside this book because there are forces that you will unleash that you cannot control. In the very same way, when we read the Bible, we pray for the Holy Spirit to inspire our minds, to open our eyes. In the very same way, they pray for evil spirits. As we have good angels, they have evil angels. As we pray for the Spirit of God to lead us to accomplish God's will, they pray for evil spirits to lead them to accomplish their will. And this book has taken off. But the question is, how would a single man get his message to the world? Well, look at this passage. Matthew 28, 19, we are familiar with it. The Bible says, go therefore and do what? Make disciples of all nations. And so Alistair Crowley, and what the occult world is, by the way, the word occult means hidden, or more specifically, hidden in plain sight. So if you were an Adventist and you were at a religious convention and there were people there that were of different denominations, you can speak to Adventists with terminologies that nobody else in any other denomination would understand. We have our own vernacular. Amen? We have our own terminologies. That's why we have to be careful when we speak to people of other denominations because sometimes they don't have a clue what we're talking about. But in the very same way, Alistair Crowley, in this book, Liber Alvelegis, designed a language and a means of communication that is hidden in plain sight. In other words, until your eyes are opened, you'll never even be able to notice it. But when your eyes are open, which this seminar is going to do, when your eyes are open, you're going to see it so clearly and so distinctly. But one thing I want to encourage you to do, don't find an owl behind every tree. Because some people go to the far, far extreme and... Um, I, rem I remember, I'll talk about sy symbols. They use symbols of communication, hand symbols, uh, uh, different styles of symbols. That's how they communicate. But, but don't get so overbearing that while an evangelist is preaching and he may do something with his hands, you say, ah, he's a part of the occult world. Because th this has to be a complete package, not just a single hand gesture. Amen? But Alistair Crowley chose disciples, and here are here is a picture of some of the disciples that young people know very well. These are the people that the young folk know very well. You may not know it, but your grandchildren and your children and their children, children are very familiar with it. Beyonce, put that up again. Beyonce, Jay-Z, Lady Gaga, Kanye West, Adele, Taylor Swift, Nicki Minaj, just to name a few. Somebody said to me, Pastor John, is it okay to listen to that particular kind of music? And I say, like my dear brother who's resting in Christ now, Elder Brooks, he said, when you are converted, you won't ask what is good to listen to and what's not good to listen to because the Spirit of God will convict you and give you wisdom. Amen? So when you say, well, is it okay? That means you want to find a way to get as close as you can to the edge and still be saved. And as a young man, I know what that's like because when I was a disc jockey, when I was an Adventist, a young man who knew the Advent message but didn't want to live it, I went to different denominations to try to find out, is there a church I could join, still party, still gamble, still be a pool hustler, and still be saved? And the answer was no. That's why I'm here today. Because it's not, it's not 
my way, but it's his way. You also find that the reason why these artists fall for the appeal to fame and fortune and wealth is because Satan has lied to every one of them. Here's the lie. Matthew chapter 4, he lied to Jesus. Here's the lie. Speaking of Christ, the Bible says, and he said to him, that is to Jesus, Satan, when he came to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, he said to him, speaking of the world, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and do what? Worship me. What we don't understand is it's all about worship. Everybody worships something. It's all about worship. Somebody once said, if you want to find out what people worship, look at their checkbook. Everybody worships something. It's all about worship. Why? Because Jesus is the only object that we should, he's the only one we should worship, but each one of us was created with a vacuum that can only be filled by Christ. But when you try to fill it with anything else, it's another form of worship. That's why the Bible talked about spiritual wickedness in high places. All through the Old Testament, every, every event of apostasy by Israel was a substitution of true worship. And that's what the devil is seeking to do with us. If you think that he did that to Israel and it's not going to happen to us, well, think again because we are Laodicea. Think we're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, but we have a greater need than we can ever imagine. Am I right? Now... There are those, according to Matthew 16, verse 26, look at what the Bible says. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? The next video is a testimony of someone in the industry who is telling you what the price is and what many people were willing to pay to be a part of this industry. And listen to what she says about the real outcome of this industry. Here it is. You, if, you're, if your ultimate goal is to be famous, then you're gonna do a lot to, do, to get there, like sign your name in blood in a contract with the devil. Like you're gonna end up in a, on a one-way street and it's going nowhere. Like that's just the truth. I've seen, I've seen so many people like, forsake their, their, their moral code and their value systems just for a little bit of fame. And it's, it's not worth it at the end of the day. It's really not worth it. It's not worth it. Amen? It's really not worth it. But the devil says, I'll give you all of these things. But what many people don't know, and there are many artists, and I'll include some of them later on in the, in the, uh, in the week. There are other artists that say very clearly, I sold my soul to the devil. They tell you that. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you heard of the Rolling Stones? They've been around for 400 years. At least it seems that way. And some of those individual artists or individual musicians in the Rolling Stones, they ask them, how have you been around so long? How is your music continually famous from generation to generation? And they'll make it clear. We have a contract with the man. And they say, what man? Well, the man. <laughs> well, they're not the man, Christ Jesus. There's only other one person that could give you that kind of fame and fortune. But what many people don't know, just like a contract when you buy a house, read the fine print. The devil will give you fame and fortune, but at the end of this journey, your soul belongs to him. 
So it's lights, camera, action, but the, but the curtains are going to come down on that stage, and when they see, they'll be wailing and weeping and gnashing of teeth. The example is this young lady I'm going to show you right now. A young lady by the name of Katy Perry. She was the daughter of a pastor. Matter of fact, she still is the daughter of a pastor. And she tried to be in the music industry. She wanted to be just like, um, just like Amy Grant. And I'm going to play a video now that I didn't play yesterday, but you're going to hear in her own words, and I included the, the text on the screen, so just in case you can't hear it, you can read it. She's saying in her own testimony, this was my aim, but because it didn't work out, I sold my soul to the devil. Now, I tell you that so when you hear it, you can listen carefully. Here it is. When I was 15, um, because I grew up in uh, you know, a household where all I ever did was listen to gospel music, and my parents are both traveling ministers, and so I kind of sang about you know, what was going on in my life at 15, and that's how I got introduced to the music industry. I swear I wanted to be like the Amy Grant of music, yeah. <laughs> but it didn't work out, and so I sold my soul to the devil. I sold my soul to the devil. And Katy Perry is one of the hottest artists. As you young folk, Katy Perry is one of the hottest music artists in the industry. Everything she touches turns to gold. But when the gold disappears, they'll all begin to see really what's behind that. And you know, the strange thing about it is the music is designed in such a way that it does grab you because it's designed to reach those recesses of our souls that have not yet been dedicated to Christ. And so whenever there's a seed in us remaining, these kinds of artists and music, and she's an attractive young lady. And, and periodically, every now and then, some of these artists that are in the music industry, they'll sing Amazing Grace, and somebody will say, see there, they're Christian, <laughs> and they do that to seduce us, into thinking they're Christian. Like uh, Beyonce, an artist, one day she sang Amazing Grace and she said it so wonderfully. People said, see, now we're going to really buy her music because she's a Christian. Would to God that we will be awake. Here's the question. Whose will should we accomplish? Look at what Jesus said. Luke 22, verse 42. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, what are the next three words? Not my will, but yours be done. In the occult world, it's the opposite way around. Not your will, but mine be done. And I'm going to open up the door in just a moment here and show you how they desire, how they lay out the plan to accomplish that. The other question is, whose will should we pursue? Romans 12 and verse 2. Notice the writings of the Apostle Paul. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and what else? Perfect will of God. Only as your mind is transformed. So watch this. The devil seeks to keep your mind from being transformed. He wants your mind to conform. So when you conform, you cannot reveal the will of God. But when your mind is transformed, only then can the will of God be revealed. And for those of you who like religion, he's created his own religion. Alistair Crowley, with a combination of the occult world and the principles of masonry and satanic principles, he formed a religion 
which in the Greek form simply means the will. Here's the, here's the copy of it. The book, Libra al Religious, Alistair Crowley created a religion called Philema religion. And Philema is simply the Greek word for will. Let me continue with the screen again here. Alistair Crowley joined OTO in 1910, Ordo Templi Orientis, or the Order of the Temple of the East in 1910. When he joined it, he later, later became the head of it as he incorporated into this OTO. And, and I'm going to show you today because OTO, this organization, is in every state. It's in every country. And on some scale, it's in every community. It's there silently abiding, working, and sometimes they do good works to make you think it's a nice, cute organization. Let me tell you something. Anybody could feed children. Feeding children don't mean you're Christian. And building houses and cutting grass doesn't mean you're Christian. But they do good things so that you can ignore the awful things they do. Look at the next slide. In 1912, Alistair Crowley was appointed head of the British OTO, where he began to transition and change the way that they did business. And here's a, here's a slide that shows you the homepage of the U.S. Grand Lodge, Ordo Templi Orientis. And there's a saying on there, I'm going to read it for you, and I'll show it a little later. It says, it says peace, tolerance, truth, salutation on all points of the triangle, respect to the order. To all whom it may concern, greetings and health. And then the saying at the bottom, and that's, by the way, an Egyptian symbol, the, the wings that are bent downward. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. So in other words, do what you want. That's the whole of the law. The focus of the law of Thelema is to train you how to accomplish your will. And I did my research, and yeah, you have one in Michigan, Here's the homepage for that uh, Thelemic order here in Michigan. Is West Michigan Thelema. And you don't have to go there, uh, but if you want to verify it, you can just put West Michigan Thelema, and you'll see on their page all of the programs they offer, the Thelema Bible, and they give definite credit to Alistair Crowley for establishing this organization. But it is a religion. It is a what? It's a religion. Everything is about worship. Say that with me. Everything is about worship. We think it's about entertainment. No, it's about worship. It's all about worship. But let me go further. The law of Thelema, here it is. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Love is the law. Love under law. There is no law beyond do what thou wilt. Now let me make a point. When I did the series originally at 3ABN, I received an email from a grand wizard of the OTO. Don't know how he got my email. In my email, pastorlomaking at gmail.com, was an email from the grand wizard of the OTO. And he said, your program, when it was on 3ABN, one of my disciples told me about your program, and I watched it. And he said, and what you said about, what you said about us is true, but I want to meet with you to talk about it. <laughs> I'm from Brooklyn. That's a setup. That's a hit. Let me, let me, let me open it up. Not only that, he said, let's meet at a vegetarian restaurant. Some of you think that being vegetarians is religious. 
the occult world will put some of us to shame in the vegetarian lifestyle. So they said, let's meet at this particular vegetarian restaurant on this particular day at this particular time. And what you'll discover in the series is they do everything according to particular numbers. It all has an occult, satanic meaning or significance. My wife and I looked at that, and he began the letter by saying, go back to that caption. He began the letter by saying, love is the law, love under law, there is no law beyond do what thou wilt. And then he ended, the very, and then he ended do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. He ended that with, that, uh, with that postscript. I looked at that. My wife looked at that. You know what I did? Delete. Give no place to the devil. As I say in New York, I ain't having no conversation with you. And in the letter, he said, you'll be surprised how much we have in common. He said, we have a lot in common. And I say this exactly what he said. He, has, he said, we have a lot in common with the Catholics and a lot in common with the Buddhists. You'll be surprised how much we have in common with you. And I thought to myself, that'll remain a mystery because we ain't having no conversation. In 1912, Alistair Crowley adopted the magical name Baphomet. Now I want to show you something. Baphomet, this magical name, and let me show you where he got this from. Just keep the slides up there, and I know that you're doing something else otherwise. He adopted the magical name Baphomet. This is a, an ancient name uh, connecting us to an old Greek god, which was a very satanic god. Look at the slides again here. Baphomet or the god Pan, the god of romance and music. Now, if you look at these two symbols, the one on the left is a tarot card, which is clearly the mixing of two genders. You'll notice at the very bottom, man and woman are joined together by a chain. That's showing you today that the power behind this, this homosexual movement, and I'm going to be straight, the power behind the confusion of genders today is nobody but the devil. But the occult world is pushing it. Look at the television shows. The New Normal, Modern Family. And they, laugh, they make it comedies so you can laugh your way into the acceptance. You say, well, it's just a comedy. And we become accepting of that kind of darkness because it's funny. It's not funny. But now on the right... How many of you remember Hercules years ago? Hercules, hero of sound and story, Hercules. I mean, I remember that. That's what music does, winner of ancient glory. Remember that? Well, he had a little guy that always ran behind him with a pipe. And that's him right there on the right. Played the pipe. He was the god of romance and music. Now, most of you would say, as parents, I will not expose my children to that. Can I get an amen? But what you don't know, you already have. Because the, the occult and the, and the demonic industry that controls much of the world is a lot smarter than you. They didn't change the meaning behind it. They just changed the person that represents the very same beliefs. So are you ready? The god Pan, Baphomet, the god of romance and music, has been redesigned to this character. Peter Pan, the god Pan, the god of romance and music. They knew very well you wouldn't fall for that. So they decided to get their own imaginary world, the magic, the magic kingdom. 
the Magic Kingdom. See, Aleister Crowley and Walt Disney were contemporaries. So they both decided to, to pull you into this imaginary world, and they redesigned the God Pan to be Peter Pan. So when you watch these cartoons nowadays, be careful what you put before your children, because it's not as innocuous as you think it is. My sister-in-law found that out. I was listening to, I use Mac for, for computers. I'm also a PC guy. I, you know, I have a PC and I have a Mac. And uh, so I'm not going to talk about computers particularly. But I remember very well, uh, because I, I'm a techie, I'm a gadgetarian. Okay, there I said it. It's kind of healing to just get it out. <laughs> but uh, I remember going to the Apple website over and over, and, and I kept seeing this symbol, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And I'm thinking, a new iPad, a new device, you know how that goes. What's going to be the next thing that as a drug, as a drug, uh, as a person driven by electronic drugs, what else do I need for a fix? Just kidding. But I kept looking, and they put the date, November 16, 2010, November 16, 2010. So what date do you think I locked into my mind? November 16, 2010. So I went to the Apple page on November 16, 2010, and I thought, what are they going to be unveiling? They said, unveiling November 16, 2010. I went there, and here's what they unveiled, a picture of the Beatles. Relax. And I thought, what does the Beatles have to do with Apple? What did they have to do with anything? So I began to do my homework, and I discovered that the first rock group that became disciples of Aleister Crowley and his philosophies and his religion is the Beatles. And then it became clear to me, how did they become a worldwide phenomena overnight? All the kingdoms that you see, I will give you if you fall down and do what? Worship. Worship me. So when they came to America from a very dark country, uh, Great Britain is a dark country. Uh, a couple of years ago, 3ABN, we went and did an evangelistic series in, uh, in England, in London. There are 85,000 registered witches. Registered. And only 42,000 registered clergy. They outnumber clergy two to one. That's the ones that are registered. So you come from a country and you find that this country's philosophy is very dark, but you have a group that's relatively unknown and they're seeking fame and fortune and the devil promises, I'll give it to you if you simply fall down and worship me. And the symbolisms that, are, that were established by Aleister Crowley were used by the Beatles in all of their songs. And I'll share some of those with you today. When I did the series once, I was invited to, I think, maybe North Carolina or somewhere. My wife and I really don't know where we go. <laughs> we just go, and we come back and look at the ticket stubs. Oh, we were there? And um, pictures remind us. But we were staying in a home of a non-Adventist family. Somebody said, well, there are no hotels nearby, but since this family has offered, you'll stay at a nice home. Where was it? Oh, it was for a wedding. That's right. It was for a wedding. And... Um, we stayed in the home of this family, and I was sharing this, and the mother said, hey, my little son knows a lot about this. Let me go get him. 
I think he was 14 years old. She said, two years, two years ago, he had no idea how to play the piano. He didn't know how to play the piano at all. Two years later, he's a master on the piano. And I said, how did he do that? And she called him downstairs, and he, he said to me, he said, oh, I, I bought the Beatles anthology, meaning the Bible of all the Beatles songs. And he said, and I learned them just like that. And this kid is like, I'm saying, really? So when I shared with him about this, he said, oh, I know that. And then he began to point out the songs in the Beatles anthology that had the lyrics dedicated to the, the, to the Thelemic religion of Aleister Crowley. I said, this kid is only 14 and he knows that. He said, oh, sir, I know exactly what you're saying. It's true. All of the songs of the Beatles, yeah, they connect in some way to Aleister Crowley. And he began to point the lyrics out. I'm going to share one of them with you today. So Aleister Crowley, and you'll see in this picture of the Beatles, they have the yellow submarine. They have the symbol of 666. That's what that is. But for some people, it's okay. So don't get nervous if a pastor says, are you okay? Don't get nervous. <laughs> I'll give you a joke. Uh, my friend, Pastor Bachelor, we are good friends. We're like brothers. And sometimes you'll say, that's fine. And one, one, one person sent me a picture of Pastor Doug when he went like that, and they said, is he a part of the occult world? I said, no, he's not. So that's what I meant, because some people say, you know, two days ago, and they go like this, and say, is he a part of the occult world? No, it's got to be the whole thing together. Amen? That's what I mean when I say don't look for an owl behind every tree. But the Beatles have used two symbols here particularly that you'll see in just a moment the significance of the occult world. And three of the songs that are very well known, that are songs that are deeply labeled with um, Thelemic anthology or Thelemic religious significance are these three songs which you've heard before. Helter Skelter, the one that shot John Lennon, said that he listened to Helter Skelter over and over and over on the plane as he was on his way to New York when he planned, um, what's his name, John Hinckley? Am I right? Yeah. He said he listened to that song, Helter Skelter, over and over and over and over again to get his mind ready to shoot John Lennon. But that was written by the Beatles. But the lyrics are very thelemically based. The philosophies of Aleister Crowley are there. Another one is Lady Madonna. Lady Madonna, the object of worship. We know Lady Madonna is not a true god, but Thelema has false gods that they support. Then the other one, imagine. Imagine there is no heaven. Listen. It takes away all accountability. Imagine there is no heaven, no hell below us, nothing to live or die for. Imagine all the people living for today. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope one day you'll join us and the world will be as one. The same prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17, Satan desires that we will all become one and have no accountability to the heaven above and no, no reality to the hell below. Do whatever you want because there's no accountability. And I hope one day you'll join us and the world will be as one. But then here's a song, Let It Be. Look at the lyrics of this. Very, very occult-based. And look at, the, look, at the, look at the references to apparition. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, saying what? Let it be. Now, when I shared this, 
because I always get opposition. Somebody's always looking for reasons to just kind of downplay the significance here. Somebody, somebody once said, well, no, that was a song about his mother. When you read the history behind it, though, have you heard of dual significance? There's a dual significance in that song. And I didn't give you all the lyrics, but the dual significance in that, and as they communicate in many of their songs, is I want to communicate a message in such a way that I could hide it right in front of you, and only those, only those of you that understand my language will understand what I'm really trying to communicate. Some of you are old enough to remember backmasking. Do you know that term, backmasking? When they used to play records in reverse and you find the meaning in the record? Well, people that played it in forward will never hear the meaning, but when you play it backward, the meaning is right there, and it's hidden right in front of you. But let's go on. One of the most significant albums that the Beatles produce, Beatles produce is this album called Sgt. Pepper. And, and, and mixed into the entire choir of faces on the cover is the picture of Aleister Crowley. There it is right there. I drew a little green arrow towards it. But you'll look at the cover. You may even have the album. Uh, you may even have the album and not even know it. But it mixed in all those individuals is the man Aleister Crowley, or Aleister Crowley, however you want to say that. What you don't know is the year that Aleister Crowley died was the year that the Beatles released one of, their, one of their most famous songs, and I'll share that with you tomorrow, what the title was, and it was in complete dedication to Aleister Crowley and the principles he established to help them become famous. But let's go even further. It's not just, I'm, I'm beginning with the light stuff. Tomorrow I'm going to ask you to bring fireproof clothing. <laughs> I'm just walking you through slowly. But let's look at another song that you may have heard before, and you ask yourself, who's the inspiration behind this? Okay, relax, it's Barry Manilow. Listen to the lyrics, and you tell me who inspired this. And by the way, Barry Manilow didn't write it. Barry Manilow was very hesitant about singing the song, until the person who pleaded with him told him it'll bring him untold fame, and it surely did. Listen to the lyrics. I've been alive forever, and I wrote the very first song. I put the words and the melodies together. I am music, and I write the songs. My home lies deep within you, and I've got my own place in your soul. Now... When I look out through your eyes, I am young again, even though I'm very old. And you know the other time, I write the songs that make the whole world sing. I write the songs of love and special things. I write the songs that make the young girls cry. I write the songs, I write the songs. Well, listen to this. All my music makes you dance and gets your, gets your spirit to take a chance. And I wrote some rock and roll so you can move. Music fills your heart. Well, that's a real fine place to start. It's from me. It's for you. It's from you. It's for me. It's a worldwide symphony. The writer of the song said these words, Bruce Johnson. Johnston has stated that for him, the I in the song is God. Well, does God write songs that make you dance? Get your spirit to take a chance. Did God write rock and roll so you can move? Come on now, really? But that's what he says. 
He says, the I in the song is God, and that songs and that songs come from the spirit of creativity in all of us. Right. Where does the I come from? Let the Bible speak. Isaiah 14, verse 13 to 14. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. That's where the I will comes from. Not from a spirit of creativity in all of us. And furthermore, what promise did Satan make to Eve? Listen to the promise. Genesis 3 and verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, in other words, in the day you disobey, your eyes will be what? Opened, and you will be like God, knowing what? Knowing good and evil. He said you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. But, there is, but that's not eternal life. The eternal life that Satan wanted Eve to have was based on disobedience, but the life that the Lord wants us to have is not knowing good and evil, but knowing Jesus. Can I get an amen? Here it is, John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. The focus of the occult world is to assimilate religion. Here's a picture. The focus of the occult world on that is to, is to assimilate religions together. God, Allah, Jah, Buddha, Krishna, we are one. And when you begin to look at what's happening in the religious world today, when you begin to look at what's happening in the religious world today, this coalition of religions coming together are all in an attempt to break down the significance of truth that God has given to us and to simply pull us all together in this desensitized choir of religious magma or, or religious confusion. The intent of the occult is to desensitize us in sin. I want you to see something here a moment. The intent of the occult is to desensitize us. Now, I did some research here, and in a moment I'm going to break the egg open and fry it, even though we have 11 minutes and 45 seconds left. Eggs don't take long to fry, by the way. But what I want you to see is how the occult world desensitizes us to sin. Now, if you've been around long enough, you may remember the Ed Sullivan Show. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight <laughs> we have some very famous art. He never turns his head like it was frozen. But you remember when, he would, when they would introduce artists, they would never focus the camera below the waist. Remember that? You know, whoever it was, they never focused the camera below the waist. Today, the camera never comes above the waist. Anybody awake? And not only that, the, the way the songs are written today are not written to make you think that they're trying to avoid evil. Some of them are written to make you know that they are not trying to avoid evil. Let me give you an example of some of these songs written by rapper, hip-hop hip artists. Look at some of the titles of the song. And you'll ask yourself, what exactly are they talking about? This is just, this is just eight of the 32 that I found. All the titles of all these songs. In 1991 was called Murder Rap. Tupac Shakur, Murder Was the Case. 
Gucci Mane, 2009, murder for fun. What do you think they're talking about? Murder. Murder to excellence. Murder, Inc., Dr. Dre. Murder by reason of insanity. There's been a murder, Jay-Z. Murder over hard. And that's just eight of the 32 songs. What do you think they're talking about? And you remember being raised, did you ever see this on any albums you bought? Now, you see it now. But when I bought albums back in the 80s, didn't have parental advisory explicit content. You ever pull up to the light in the streets of one of your cities, and the car next to you is like... <laughs> and like your body is vibrating, it's like, like, please change to green in a hurry. And it's like, and, and you wonder, and, and you meet these kids and you say, how you doing, huh? How you doing, huh? Are you okay, huh? It's like their eardrums have been blown out. I don't know how they do it. And they have like a thousand watts. They got a sub, and they, they've taken the trunk out, and you open the trunk, and it's like 12, 215-inch subs in the trunk, and all you hear is, mm -hmm. and it's desensitizing them. And doctors are talking about ailments that the young people are suffering from that they should not at their age. But why do you think they're putting this kind of lyrics? Because they're conditioning the mind. You see, the aim of the occult is clearly delineated here in Proverbs 23 and verse 7. The Bible says, come on, for as he what? Thinks in his heart, so is he. That's why young people nowadays... They don't really care whether you like them or not. They got friends. You know who their friends are? Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. It used to be MySpace, but that's kind of like faded out. They always come up with a new one. And they want you to send them to their room because they don't really want to talk to you. Mama, please ground me for two weeks in my room where I have an internet connection, my cell phone, my laptop, my television. I don't need to talk to you. Why there's such division in the family? One person talked about trying to, trying to take away... Well, let me use an actual story here. I talked about some testimonies, but this actually happened on the news. And this happened in New York City. On the way home from school, a 14-year-old girl dropped her cell phone by accident in the subway. She jumped down to get her cell phone. Unfortunately, she didn't get up quickly enough. The train took her life. And the news reporters interviewed other young people and said, this is a tragedy. You know what? The news reporter was shocked when almost every teen he interviewed said, I would have done the same thing. He said, you could get another cell phone. They said, but it's not the same. I got stuff on that phone that I could not get on my new phone. I would have done the same thing. They would rather give their lives and I'm going to show you a video tomorrow by, the name of, by a man named Simon Sinek. And it's becoming so, it's becoming so um, addictive that Apple computers are coming out with a new app. You may have heard about it on the news. To gauge the amount of time you spend on your cell phone. Because they said there's a new addiction that's emerging in our world. And it's from the use of your cell phone. It'll be able to monitor how long you've been on Facebook or Snapchat, or whatever the app is, it'll monitor how long you've been on there, and then 
if it senses you've been on there long, too long, it'll shut off access to that app so that you could somehow, what? Clear your mind or bounce your head against the wall till the, till the prohibition is lifted? But that's what's happening in our world today. You see, the world wants to mess up your mind. They want you to think. But what is the aim of Jesus? Look at this. What is the aim of Jesus? Let this mind be in you, which was also in what? Which was also in Christ Jesus. He wants our minds to be like his. That's why the devil doesn't want our minds to be like Christ. He wants our minds to be like his. And you know what? Put it where it needs to be. The devil is already defeated. But he wants us to go down in the kamikaze of destruction. He wants us to join him in this end rebellion scenario. He's lost already. The Bible says that hell is prepared for the devil and his angels. I am not going to join them in their final party. And don't allow your children. That's why, let me say something to parents. I have about five minutes, and I'm going to open up another can here. Let me say this. For those of you that think you want to be your, your children's friends, you have the wrong position about parenting. Some of you say, well, they might get mad at me. Duh. So what? Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old and their brains are fully developed, they'll thank you for it. That's a new scripture. You don't train them the way they want to go any more than you leave your garden full of weeds. When you see weeds in your rose bush, you pull them out. Pull the weeds out of your child's life. Some parents, I know some parents that have finally taken control. That's why I love this school, GLA. We've sent our kids up here to Greater Lake Adventist Academy. You know why? Because they don't let them spend the night with their phones. They're here for education to know Jesus. Praise God that some conferences are taking that stand. But when your kids go to bed, they should go to bed with the phone next to your bed, not theirs. So they could actually sleep. We have kids that are home from school now, and I said, what time do you go to bed? Well, late. Like, how late? Well, late. Uh, you're on your cell phone texting your friends. Yeah. In the past, when we got text, it meant somebody gave us a Bible text to read. Nowadays, text means something completely different. And Facebook means we used to face the book, but now they're facing a different book altogether. That's why when you think about it, it's really an attack on the life of worship. And we'll also examine the impact on the life. We will also witness the battle between desire and will. And I want to say this to lay some foundation for tomorrow. Because tomorrow, as I said, bring your fireproof outfits. Because we're going to dive into a lot of graphics about what's actually happening. I needed two days to lay some foundation to kind of slowly unveil it. Today was called the revealing, but tomorrow you're going to see some things and understand. And I've been very selective in my approach to that, so I won't burn you out too quickly. Because, you know, you could go from, you could go from no knowledge to so much that your brains would just begin to melt with the overflow of information. But I want to gradually reveal it to you so that you can carry along and follow along. But after we're done, I'll tell you how you can get that information very quickly. But look at this, and I've talked about this, but here it is. The Bible says in Revelation 12, verse 7 and 8, laying the foundation for tomorrow. And war broke out where? In heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. 
but they did not prevail. Can I get an amen? They didn't win there, and they're not going to win here. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So you know what? They looked for a new place. Here it is. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. And what else? And his angels were cast out with him. That's why on Fox television, there was a, there was a, there was a, a movie, a, a new um, sitcom that came out simply called Lucifer. How in your face can that be? On Fox now, Lucifer. Well, Isaiah 14, verse 12 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? Lucifer. And there's a new hip-hop song out now by hip-hop artists where they say it straightly, Lucifer, son of the morning. O Lucifer, son of the morning. And you got your young people out there, Lucifer, son of the morning. Lucifer, son of the... They don't know what they're saying. They have no idea, but the beat has caused them to fall into this inoculated state, and they are literally charmed to the place where they can't tell the difference between right and wrong, light and darkness, good and evil, because they've given their minds over to a platform where Satan has full access. Well, just to tease you till tomorrow, let me, let me just show you where we're heading tomorrow. This is where we're headed tomorrow. We're going to show you the rock groups that are proponents of also this dark occult world. Led Zeppelin. They have an album called Stairway to Heaven. It's not showing you heaven where Jesus is, but heaven where Satan is, a fallen heaven. Led Zeppelin, a picture of a fallen angel on their album cover because they're proponents of this fallen angel. And I'm going to leave it there. Just te tease your appetite, but here's what I want to say. It is time for us as a people of God to get back to what kind of worship true worship. Say it with me. What kind of worship? True worship. The hour has come in which the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship. Can you say amen? amen. Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, we are locked in an all-out battle between light and darkness, truth and error. Lord, give us discretion and wisdom to make a right decision. As parents, as guardians, as people in the position to guide the minds of our young, help us, Lord, to see that it is not by giving them complete access to the things that will destroy them, but by lovingly guiding and molding their influences that we will prepare their minds for the place where Jesus is worshipped. Guide us, we ask, Heavenly Father. Give us wisdom and understanding that when the time comes that we stand before you, we will hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name I pray. Can we all say it? Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.